McShane Bible Study, days 81 and 82, and we're doing Exodus 33 and 34. And once again, I don't have a highlighter, and a lot stood out to me, but I don't remember all that it was. But in 33, these are really cool chapters. Um, You know, after the people had worshipped the idol of the golden calf, um, Moses, you know, goes back to the Lord, and the Lord says, you're going to have to go on without me, and he says, we can't go on, when the people are all devastated, we can't go on without you, and so he, Moses pleads on their behalf, and he relents to them, and um, the, the, he, uh, God agrees to show Moses his glory, although not the fullness of it, not his face, and he then gives him the Ten Commandments again, it, although in a very not exactly in the same way he did before, but this time Moses has to chisel out the stone. You see that? The first time God gave them, it was more. Um, you know, Moses goes up the mountain, and God gives them the tablets. This time Moses has to create the tablets. So you see a lesser reality of the fullness of God's plan and glory uh, set aside for the Israelites since they'd immediately turned aside from him. But he still promises them a covenant starting in 10. I'm making a covenant with you before all your people. I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. That's still always the promise of God, right? He's made covenants like this with many people before and after. And it's the same promise for us today. Be a set-apart people for me. I will do wonders. And then the people of the world will see the wonders that I am doing. And then they will become hungry to come into this fellowship of life with me. Mm-hmm. You see that? Just as you brought up, he says, don't make a treaty with them or any of their ways. Do not worship other gods. I am a jealous God. And then he again gives the holidays. And, uh, you know, he says, worship me. Uh, do not make uh, idols. And then he brings up the uh, feast. So Feast of Unleavened Bread, which, you know, Passover is the day of preparation. That starts this weekend, right? And then the full week following is Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so this is an important time. And then he immediately mentions uh, bringing the first offspring of every womb. Well, that immediately brings to mind Feast of First Fruits, which is the day Jesus rose from the dead, right? Mm-hmm. So over the, over the millennia, the, the church has changed these things, changed the date, changed the meaning, made up new things. But... God established Passover for Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, to be uh, killed. God established Feast of First Fruits so that Jesus, the first fruit of this new life, could be reborn, right? And that we, and so he would be the first fruit of what? More fruit, so that we could come into this life. And then he goes on to talk about Sabbaths and the other holidays. Shavuot, or Feast of Weeks, is kind of usually in the you know, later spring, and then uh, Feast of Ingathering, or Feast of Tabernacles, or Feast of Booths, whatever you want to call it, is in the fall. Um, so these are the things he established. And he says, I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your territory. And so when he makes these promises, the these people, you might not know, but we'll read that. We'll read it. We'll get there. Um, 
these people that he's talking to, all the adults, they're not going to do what God says. They're not going to believe him. He's giving them a mighty promise. They, he just showed his, how powerful he is to them. Mm-hmm. And he's showing, like, Moses' face when he gets done talking to him is glowing. A uh-huh. golden glow. Whenever Moses went in his tent, this pillar of, of cloud comes down to in front of his tent. And the people worshipped. They saw all this. And yet when he says, go in the land, take the giants, they say, no, we don't, now we don't believe you. They, don't, they fully believed God. They saw how amazing he was. But when it came time to actually obey, they said, no, we believe in our own flesh, not in you. And so God still fulfilled his promise, but he had to fulfill it with a later generation. This is true of the church as well. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The fullness of God's promises haven't yet come, but he will fulfill his promises. There will be a people that willingly set themselves apart completely and are willing to let him overcome based on mm-hmm. his glory and his wisdom in his ways, not by our own strength. All right? I'm going to try to switch it up and use the same phone for both reading and recording, so that will probably lead to longer pauses. But I'm going to try it. So we're now moving on to John 12 and 13, and we have uh, Mary anointing Jesus' feet. We have the triumphal entry. Um, the thing that stood out to me with John... 12, I'll start in 23-24. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So we just talked about Feast of First Fruit, right? Mm-hmm. And now here, and this stood out to me uh, as we read how the just wonderful parallels. And also... We're going to be reading, I think it'll even go past Feast of Unleavened Bread, or at least past, past, no, it'll be during Feast of Unleavened Bread, probably, that we'll finish John. But this whole next many chapters is my favorite part of the Bible, starting really in 14, which will start tomorrow. Um, And it's Jesus's long conversation with his disciples right before he's going to the cross. So these things are happening on the Passover, right, which is coming up this weekend. And and here he's describing, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. So he's basically saying, I could be this one son of God and be alone in that because I have obeyed the Father perfectly. But the Father doesn't just want one son. He wants many. So just like a grain of wheat, if we put it in the ground, it dies. But then a new wheat plant springs forth, and we have many kernels of wheat, right? Mm-hmm. He's saying, I willingly will be this, so that many can come into the family of God. Many sons of God can be raised. That there's an entire kingdom. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So he says, if we want to embrace this eternity, we have to be willing to die to ourselves. 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. 
If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So he says it's not just about believing. It's about obeying and following. You see that? Mm-hmm. And he says then, it's, you're not just getting my blessing. You're getting the Father's blessing. And he says, you know, he, gives, he quotes Isaiah, and we were just talking about this. Uh, he, you know, Isaiah had prophesied. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So there's this spiritual truth that if we're not open to the Lord, we, we can't understand the wisdom of the Lord, even when we hear it. We can understand all the words, mm-hmm. but we can't receive the spiritual truth of it. You see that? Mm-hmm. And he says, and then he kind of explains why. He says, the Pharisees didn't understand this. 43, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So they're mm-hmm. unable to receive the truth of God because they love their position in the world. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says, 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So that we actually have, we enter into a new reality while we're in this mm-hmm. world because we're obeying Jesus and following <coughs> him. <Yeah. coughs> and then what stood out? So, I mean, I... I spent so much time last year going through all the uh, John in, in great detail. I thought I had just highlighted something in John 13, but I'm not seeing anything. Um, let me pause it. So we have the washing of the feet, right? And Peter says, oh, you can't wash my feet. Like, that's beneath you. You're, you're my Lord. You can't wash my feet. That's a low servant task. And Jesus says, you don't understand. I have to wash your feet. Or you don't have anything of me or in me. Mm-hmm. He says, then wash my whole body. He says, no, you know, if your body is clean, only your feet need to be washed, which is a, which is a true physical reality in their day. Well, how does that parallel to us? We have to set ourselves apart for the Lord. But then he does the, the dirty work. He does the important work. He lifts us up. He transforms us. But we have to set ourselves apart to receive that. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? And the last thing that stood out is how will the world know that that we truly know the Lord? That we have the Lord to offer <clears throat> if we love one another. Well, how do we say, he says there's no greater love than this, that you lay your life down for another, right? Here he is washing Peter's feet. It's laying our lives down for each other, not for our... So we're not living for ourselves, but we're living for others. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Who are those others? Each other. Those in our spiritual family. Make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. So now we're moving on to Proverbs 9 and 10. And I, I just was going to pick out a couple of them. So Proverbs 9 is kind of the end of the ones that are specifically talking a lot about wisdom. Um, and then starting in Proverbs 10... The, the cover a broader area of life, although they're still obviously about wisdom. They're just not so focused. Verse 10 is, this is repeated over and over in the Bible. It's really important then, right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So that's kind of what we've been talking about. If we fear Him, if we realize He is more important than anything else, 
that is the beginning. That is the doorway into being wise. Right? Mm -hmm. We want to be wise, right? Mm -hmm. We want to have understanding. We want to have knowledge of the truth, the real ways of God, of the world, of life, of who we're supposed to be and what way brings happiness, what way brings fulfillment. He says the fear of the Lord, meaning being in awe of who he is and realizing he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he is all-wise, he is all-good, that we have to enter into that in order to have the full, a full life, right? Meanwhile, he talks about folly. He says folly is loud, seductive, knows nothing, sits at the door of her house, takes a high seat. So folly is constantly telling us, do, do these foolish things, do the things of the world, do things our flesh might want that's against the way of God. He says that's very loud. God's way is very quiet. He says ignore the loud, seek the Lord, have fear in the Lord. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. And then uh, Proverbs 10, I just highlighted one of them. 24, what the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. I talk with you guys about this all the time. It's really important that our mindset is focusing on the good. Mm-hmm. Having an expectation of blessing. That doesn't mean... So these are principles. The Proverbs are principles. That doesn't mean they're always true. It means they're generally true. You see the difference? Because mm-hmm. you can look at these and you can see, well, I know this person, he's really wicked, but he's seen, everything seems to be going good with him. Right? You can point that out. That, that goes against the Proverbs. The Proverbs are generally true. Of course, in the end, past what we can see with our natural eyes, um the wickedness will be judged and there will be an eternity in hell, right? Mm-hmm. But it, the, what the wicked dreads will come upon him. So when we focus on what we're scared of, what we're afraid of, what we don't want to happen, mm-hmm. you know, you've heard me talk a lot about that. Mm-hmm. It's, he says it's wicked. Mm-hmm. It's, he says, and you're inviting it to come upon you. Mm-hmm. Because why? Because you're worshiping Satan because mm-hmm. he's tempting you with all these things. If we fear the Lord, mm-hmm. then we're not worried about what comes upon us, right? We just saw Jesus knew he had to go to the cross. He said, what, am I going to pray against this? No, it's the will of God. So I'm not going to be upset about this, right? We're not being asked to actually be hung on a cross, right? Mm-hmm. So... If we worry about anything that happens, we're not fearing the Lord. We're agreeing with Satan. Does that make sense? So we might as well think about how blessed we are. If there's a choice of thinking, let's say, I don't, I really want to, uh, okay, Callum has soccer practice today, right? I really want to have soccer practice today but I'm really afraid it's going to rain. And we spend all day worrying about it raining. Well, if it rains, mm-hmm. what good did it do that we spent all day being miserable? We still don't get to go to soccer practice. But if we 
if we think about like I'm blessed, we worship the Lord and it rains. Well, we were blessed all day. And then we didn't get to do the thing we got to, wanted to do. If it doesn't rain, we spent our whole day being blessed. And we got to do the thing we wanted to do. There's mm-hmm. zero purpose in dreading things. There's zero good in it. You understand? Mm-hmm. Now that the enemy will say, no, you've got to prepare yourself. You've got to be practical. You've got to worry about these things. That's the enemy. That's wickedness. Does that make yeah. sense? All right. And then we are wrapping up in Ephesians 2 and 3. Which So this, this book is probably my favorite book. We just talked about going into our, my favorite part of the Bible, which is that part of John. But Ephesians is an awesome book. I'm sure I spent a lot of time on it last year going through each verse because you can, he, he, he wrote these things carefully and there's so much in each verse. But with the time we have, I was just going to point out a couple things. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. He just got done saying, you, you used to be a filthy sinner, right? You're walking around in your sins apart from God. But God has saved you. It's your faith. You had to believe. And you had to step into that belief. You had to walk it out. And he saved you. This is not your doing. He has lifted you up and made him yourself an important part of his family. And the last verse of 2 says 22. In him you also are being built together by, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So he's saying, you used to be one who is completely apart from God, but God is transforming you. And he talks, you know, in great detail about the steps, but he's making you into a house for the glory of God. So that that shining we read about on Moses's face, Mm -hmm. we have that shining in our lives, not a physical shining, but a spiritual shining shining of the glory of God because we are the temple of God. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then Ephesians 3 starts out, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. So he says, I'm not a prisoner, you know, as we just talked about. He's a prisoner because he is standing for Christ. All he had to do to get out of prison was say, I don't believe in Christ. But he would not do that because chooses to serve the Lord, not the enemy. And, but he says, it's not just, it's not like the Lord wants me in prison for some obscure uh, reason, but so, and he's writing all these letters from prison, this Bible that we have, he's writing most of them from prison. So he's able to take a lot of time because he had a lot of time there to write these incredible words of the truth of God. And he says, so I'm here on behalf of you, and I willingly lay my life down. What did we just talk about Jesus saying? If you love someone, you lay your life down for them, right? And he gave the principle, kernel must die so that many, uh, many, much wheat will grow, right? Many kernels. Well, Paul understands that principle. And he says, my life may not look real glorious, but the Lord has called me this for you. So I will gladly live this life. It's for your benefit that I'm here. 
And so count, I count it a blessing and you should too. It's a totally different way of looking at life than most people look at it. Verse four, when you read this, you can perceive into, sorry, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. See, God reveals over time more and more depths of his Mm -hmm. truth, of his ways. And we can see that the, the prior people of God had a glimpse of these things. And we have a fuller understanding of what they were saying than the people at the time did. He says, God has made known this mystery to me. We can correlate that understanding that God is going to make known even greater mysteries to his last day people, right? Mm -hmm. We can understand what Paul is saying more so than the people of his day were understanding them, right? Mm -hmm. It's a mystery that God pulls back the veil so we can not only see it and understand it, but live it. 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. I kind of already covered for that. He says, don't worry if I suffer. It's for your glory that the fullness of God, which I think is the last part I did, will be made known in you, that you'll have the fullness of God in you. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that amazing that we can be filled with the fullness of God? 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So he says, God can do more than we can even imagine. And he will do more than even we can imagine. We simply have to believe and set ourselves apart for these things. And he will do it. Right? Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts or questions? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's it for today. God bless you. God bless you.